This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 313, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, October the 7th. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is Adam Chapman, your host, and this is episode 313. It's our Comic Reviews episode for releases from Wednesday, October the 7th. Uh, a lot of comics came out last week. Uh, as this was uh, Thanksgiving here in Canada, yeah, that's right, Thanksgiving in October. Um, I did not have as much opportunity, as you can imagine, to read uh, as many books as I would have liked to uh, for this episode, but I still got a, a fair number of comics read. I think I read about 13. I think I still had 16 in the queue or something ridiculous like that. Uh, so let's just jump right in, alphabetically, of course, uh, with Action Comics 45. Um, so as we continue the, the current storyline, uh, oh, I guess all the books this month will say Injustice. Before we had, what, Fear, Truth, anyway. Uh, this particular issue is a little bit more about kind of Clark trying to figure out how to do things on his own. I liked part of this issue, but I also just didn't know if it quite made a lot of sense. Um, the art was alright. I wasn't super thrilled with the artwork here. Um, it was okay. Uh, it did not feel like it was the best that I've seen from Collins. This is by Scott Collins. The story is by Greg Pock and Aaron Cooter with the words actually by Pock. Um, I, I like the idea that Superman's kind of figuring out how to do things on his own. He's got kind of a secret lab. Just the degree of which he's being able to kind of be very kind of independent and almost Batman-esque, having like a, a secret safe house that he blows up because Hero finds it and being able to break into a, a facility. Uh, he's all incognito. I both liked it and hated it at the same time. Um, I, felt my, I found that I was very on the fence about this. I, as I said, the art was not the most consistent I've seen from Scott Collins, um, but it was okay. It was just more of the story I found at times cool, but also it just didn't feel like this is, first of all, something this Superman would have done. Second of all, that he didn't even has the capability of having done. Uh, <coughs> so I'm going to give the issue maybe a six. Uh, it was not the strongest. Uh, speaking of not the strongest, we have all new, all different point one, number one. Uh, a lot jam-packed in here. Uh, I do appreciate that they tried to have kind of a some sort of story to kind of hold it together. Didn't really enjoy that story as much as I was hoping, but it was still okay. Uh, we got um, a lot of different stories here. So you had the Contest of Champions begins in Chestnut Checkers by Al Ewing and Paco Medina. Um, so that's kind of the, I guess, the framing device, um, which it was okay in, as the, in terms of how framing devices go. Uh, Medina's artwork I thought was not the greatest um, to really capture it. it there was just something about the art I felt a little bit off um, it, wasn't, it didn't quite have the weight and the gravitas I would have liked and even the script at times wasn't as kind of heady as I would have expected uh, then we've got um, Carnage and Nightwork that's by Jerry Conway and Mike Perkins this part of the issue I thought was great I really like the style that Perkins is going for here. Very classic look to Carnage, too. Not quite what I was originally expecting, but I really dug it. It's got a, a very different feel to his art here, uh, but I really enjoyed it. i um, excited to see what we kind of see next from uh, Jerry Conway and Mike Perkins. Speaking of Mike Perkins, our next episode, a little bit of a plug here, our next episode, 314, will be a conversation with Mike Perkins. That'll be coming out in three days on Friday. Or Saturday. Eh, probably Friday. 
Uh, we've got Rocket Raccoon and Groot in Trick or Treat or Shot by a Big Gun by Scotty Young and Felipe Andrade. Um, that I found entertaining. It was it was kind of silly and, you know, not the most uh, substantial story to really get your teeth into. But with Rocket Raccoon and Groot, these days, that's not really what they're looking for. You're looking for more these fun kind of stories of these two characters uh, getting into adventures and, and all sorts of problems together. We got the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Coulson Protocols, which I guess will be leading into the upcoming S.H.I.E.L.D. book, I believe, by uh, Mark Guggenheim and Germán Peralta. Um, man, I was not sure how I felt about this. First of all, I like the art a lot. Um, wasn't a big fan of how they very easily kind of set, you know, kind of sidestep the fact that, um, that, uh, what's his name? That Baron Strucker's alive. Uh, that I wasn't a huge fan of just because the way he died, that was so cool. So seeing that was a little weird. Um, the way that this team is kind of shown, like, again, this is very much the TV versions of S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't fully sold on how that worked. Um, Deathlock didn't feel very ac- accurate to how he was portrayed in his own book. Um, it's kind of a weird a weird read. It was okay. It wasn't bad. And I liked the artwork by Peralta a lot. But uh, I don't know if it was really the most consistent story. And uh, the characterization was a little weak. And I don't know. It was it, it very much alternated between being entertaining and not. Then we got All Noon Humans and Sublimation by... Uh, Charles Sewell and Stefano Caselli. Um, this was actually really interesting, kind of to see what's going on with the Inhumans here, uh, with Crystal and everything. I actually thought that was actually one of the, the kind of the surprises of the issue. I did not expect it to be nearly as enjoyable. And then we got Daredevil in Blind Spot by Charles Sewell and Ron Gurney, and man, um, it really made me interested to see what where this book is going to go, what it's going to be like. Um, the art by Garney just looks gorgeous. It's different, but very, like, wow. Um, the colors here, it, was, it really stands out, and it looks fantastic. So I'm really excited to kind of see what this new Daredevil is going to be like. I'm going to give the, the book on the whole six and a half. Um, a lot of content, but it was really just a kind of extended previews of what you're going to get in other books. Not necessarily stories that are going to be in those particular books in the number one issues, but just kind of leading up to those books. Not a bad sampler, but again, expensive for a sampler. Um, you know, considering that you don't get to choose what's in here, you just kind of this random assortment of books, and they're kind of odd ones to be pushing. I mean, they're, I guess, the ones that need pushing. I mean, you know, Contest of Champions has a sort of name cachet, but not much else. Daredevil, I don't think, needs to really have the uh, the launching pad as much. Carnage does, because people know the character, but they might be like, well, why am I going to... What's a Carnage book going to look like these days? Only Inhumans, I don't think it needed, because it's had so many launching points for the Inhumans universe lately. And Rocket Raccoon and Groot, I feel like, is going to kind of sell itself. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., again, I, I guess they're just kind of trying to push that, although it has an ongoing book anyway at the moment, so... To, to need a new launching pad, I don't necessarily think was necessary. Uh, then we got Amazing Spider-Man number one, which is a ton of content. Um, it's a, one hell of an issue um, in terms of the size. Uh, the main story, written by Dan Slott, artwork by Giuseppe Camincoli. And it was okay. I just wasn't... S- First of all, I should say the artwork is fantastic. Camincoli's art is great. The, uh, the colors are really vibrant. There's a few awkward shots of Spider-Man swinging where... The fact that it's not the regular costume, it's more a little bit armored in places, isn't quite um, as easily kind of illustrated by uh, 
by Kevin Coley, but for the most part, I thought the art was fantastic. It was very vibrant. Um, there's a ton going on here in terms of the story, new status quo for the character uh, and for his world. Uh, definitely a very interesting cliffhanger. There's a lot in here. Um, obviously, there's easy comparisons you can make from between Peter Parker and Iron Man. I'm not going to make those comparisons today because I think everyone's already made them. Um, I don't know. It's just... It just doesn't... It was it was a good issue, but it didn't feel like a Spider-Man issue. And I also feel like, you know, because in comics, inevitably things usually go back to a certain status quo. Um, it just gets harder and harder to explain or make the, the backpedaling to the old status quo be more believable when you go farther and farther in a specific direction. So it was one thing for Peter Parker to have his own company. Now it's a successful company. He's globetrotting, he's got offices around the world, how do you dial that back? How do you go backwards? I'm like, I'm already curious enough with the upcoming Daredevil book, how do you go back to Daredevil having a secret identity after him having a red suit with a DD belt buckle, you know? Like, how, how do you backpedal and go backwards when you've done this much work to establish a character in a certain direction? So you have Peter Parker, who's no longer anonymous, everyone knows who he is now. I, I'm just, it makes me very curious uh, because... You know, for, to a certain extent, these combo companies do not want to move their characters too far out of their comfort zones. So whenever they move them out of that, you know, that status quo, I, my f- first thought is, okay, how do they get them back? Because at some point, it's going to happen. Um, again, great artwork, story, I'm just not quite sure about yet. Um, you got a bunch of other bo- uh, stories here. You got uh, The Last Time by Peter David, um, which is a story about um, Spider-Man 2099. Really dug it. It was quick, concise. It leads up to that new book, uh, Spider-Man 2099. Uh, Will Slinney's artwork remains as fantastic as always. Peter David's on point. It's great. Uh, then we've got... Uh, what is after that? Oh, Fantastic Silk. I love Silk. Uh, I guess that's Breaking Bad by Robbie Thompson and Stacey Lee. Fantastic story. I'm, I never thought I would love Silk, but I really kind of do. Uh, we've got What to Expect by Dennis Hopeless Javier Rodriguez, which is a really enjoyable story. Um, we're not seeing how J- uh, Jessica Drew got pregnant, but it's a kind of a fun story about how she has to kind of take care of herself now that things are a little bit different with her being pregnant. Um, which is interesting. That's by Dennis Hopeless Javier Rodriguez. I got Church in Quantum State by Mike Costa and David Baldion, which I did not really enjoy. Um, I just... I, it wasn't really for me. I, I don't think Web Warriors is going to be a book I'm going to be all that interested to pick up. Um, it was all right, but it, was, it, nah, it wasn't really that enjoyable for me. And then we got The Seller by Dan Slott and Christos Gage with artwork by Paco Diaz. Uh, this I, I did enjoy, um, although it just makes me wonder where they're going in a specific direction. I enjoyed it up until Regent showing up. Then I was like, ah, God, I don't know if I want this. Um, overall, as an issue, I'm going to give it a... I guess I'll give it a 7 out of 10. I'm mainly reviewing the main story, because everything else is just kind of a prelude of something else, kind of thrown in to pad out content. Although you are getting a lot of extra content, you're also paying a, a high price for it. Um, all, one thing I should mention about the last story there is that there's not a lot of discussion here, but you know, Miles Morales is here. He does catch someone... He's not the focus of the story, but it definitely made me curious. Uh, but we don't see much else from Miles Morales, so I guess we don't have to worry about it. Uh, next up is Batman and Robin Eternal, number one. 
I enjoyed it. Uh, James Tinian the Fourth and Scott Snyder did the story. The actual script is by James Tinian the Fourth. Artwork by Tony Daniel. Um, it looks great. It was the only thing that bothered me is you know Dick Grayson has, has already been in Gotham like two times recently. So seeing more of Dick Grayson kind of in the uh, in 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 the cave and everything, I, I don't know how I feel about this because. I, Dick Grayson exists in his own book, so having him also show up in this book is an odd kind of choice. I don't know how it's going to work. Uh, the ending definitely has a bit of a cliffhanger, but we'll see what happens. I mean, there's it's just the first issue. Did I like it more than Batman Eternal number one, the first uh, Batman Eternal book? No, I didn't. Um, I think that was a stronger first issue. That being said, it's still very enjoyable. Just weird without Batman there, or without uh, Bruce Wayne really there. Uh, I am going to give it an 8 out of 10, though, because I th- do think it was enjoyable. Just not as strong as Batman Eternal number 1 was, which I really did enjoy. Uh, next up is Darth Vader. This is issue number 10. Uh, remains really enjoyable. Um, kind of seeing what's going on here. I love the interplay between Vader and the guys kind of kind of watching over him. Uh, I like uh, Vader's team kind of finding out more about the history, what happened to Queen Amidala, um, really well done. Great ending that really makes you wonder what's going to happen next. Artwork remains fantastic as always. Kieran Gillen and Salvador La Roca just doing an absolute bang up job on this book. I'm going to give it, an, I think, just an 8 out of 10. Not quite an 8.5, but it was damn close. Uh, next up is Detective Comics number 45. I dug this. It felt a little bit different, but um, it's by Tomasi and Takara. Um, it's, the artwork was kind of brutal with the uh, the eyes popping onto the heads, but you got the Justice League here showing up and talking to Bruce Wayne, trying to find out you know if there's anything of the old Bruce Wayne uh, or the old Batman inside of him. Uh, Marcio Takara is the artist. Not a huge fan of the art. Um, I think that the quieter moments it worked for the splashier moments. I don't think it did. Um, the story I thought was great. I think uh, Tomasi did a great job on the story. I really bought into this. Seeing Gordon kind of teaming up with the Justice League, I'm excited to see where they go from there. The fact that he's a detective and that's what, kind of what they need on the Justice League. Um, I thought the sto- as I said, the story was great. Uh, I think just the art is what didn't quite work for me in the same way. Um, but the story was fantastic. So I, w- I would maybe give. Uh, I'm trying to think what I would give this. Probably a 6.5 out of 10. It would have been higher if not for the art. In fact, I think it's more of a 6 out of 10, but it would have been higher if the art had been a little bit more enjoyable to my taste. I mean, to others, it's probably perfect. Uh, next up, Doctor Strange number 1. I enjoyed this a lot. Um, it's by Jason Aaron, artwork by Chris Piccolo. At times, I just the only thing that bugged me is that Stephen Strange seemed a little too young at times. And um, he didn't quite feel as, as weathered and, and old as he perhaps should. Um, the idea of him kind of being out and about and having a support group for magic users, I mean, that's all very cool stuff. And I, I think the action adventure is a lot of fun and it's interesting to kind of see. I think Jason Aaron does a very good uh, grounded approach, not even grounded, but a good uh, new reader friendly approach to Doctor Strange. I think it's going to be a great book. Um, I just wish he looked a little older, which is a stupid comment, but just how I feel about it. Uh, I'm going to give it still an 8 out of 10 because it was a very enjoyable launch. And this is obviously as part of the all new, all different Marvel. Uh, is it called all new, all different Marvel now or all new, all different Marvel? I don't even know anymore. Uh, next up is Invincible Iron Man number one. This is a book I was really skeptical about. And you know what? 
I really dug it. I really enjoyed this. It was a fantastic read. Um, Brian Michael Bendis did a great job. Uh, Dave Marquez did a great job in the art, although the first kind of money shot of the Iron Man armor I wasn't totally sold on. Uh, but otherwise, there's a lot of different things I liked about how the armor looks later on in the story. Um, I, I almost at times thought Marquez was almost doing a little bit of a Steve, uh, Steve McNiven kind of light. Uh, in terms of especially his um, his takes on certain faces, I thought definitely looked like Steve McNiven, and I mean that in the best way possible. Um, the cliffhanger, definitely a very interesting cliffhanger, especially, well, it just feels weird and kind of disconnected knowing that we don't know how Secret Wars ends yet. So seeing what happens at the end of this issue definitely makes you wonder. Um, having Iron Man talk to the Friday kind of interface, I guess you just need Dare, um, Iron Man to have someone to talk to. And obviously it's a popular device that they've moved used in the movies, so it makes sense that they Brian Michael Bendis would use it here. I love that he's bringing back Madam Mask. Um, she, you know, Marquez really drew the hell out of her as well. Uh, this was a, a release that I was worried about. I wasn't sure if Bendis would be able to capture the character without it sending too Bendis-y, if that makes any sense whatsoever. But I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I actually really enjoyed this a lot more than I initially expected to. Uh, next up is Secret Wars number 6. This is a solid 8.5 out of 10. Uh, remains enjoyable. Um, I know that uh, others, uh, frequent guests of the show, Paul Scores, had said that he wasn't a big fan of the time jump that happens in the middle, but I was okay with it to kind of move this story along a little bit further. Uh, I think it was probably required. It's written by Jonathan Hickman. He's also, the, he's also credited as the writer and designer. Asad Rebic uh, is doing all the illustrations. Um, I really like what we're getting here with um, the the Infinity Gauntlet that uh, Black Panther and Namor have. Um, you get to see see more of the history of the Fantastic Four in this kind of reconstituted world. We get to see what happens to Ben Grimm, who's a major part of the Shield, which in some ways I think is underplayed or not clear enough as to show exactly how important he is. Uh, which, but this is something we see over in the Siege book. Um, I, I really dug this. A lot of pieces moving forwards. Uh, we've still got three issues, so enjoyable. Eight and a half out of ten. Next up is Siege. This is issue number four. Um, it was all right, not great, um, but it was it wasn't it was all right. Um, we got to see what happened. We again get to see more about Ben Grimm, kind of standing up as he does at the end of. Uh, at the end of uh, Secret Wars number six, um, we got to see some good Thanos here, but I don't think it was great. Uh, it had kind of flashes of brilliance, but then it, it didn't quite hold on to it. It's written by Kieran Gillen, artwork by Felipe Andrade, and the double page spreads are by Pepe Larosny and Herring, Gary Chu, and Bill Sinkovich. Sorry, uh, I'm going to give this a six out of ten. Uh, next up is Spider Island. Oh, and I should say, I believe this is the last issue of Siege as well, though that's not entirely clear. Um, so maybe we'll get more of that. I can't remember. No, I, I think that was it. Uh, next up is Spider Island number five. Again, a last issue of, a, of one of the Secret Wars books. Um, I continue to enjoy this by Christos Gaze and Paco Diaz, uh, telling the story of Flash Thompson and all these other heroes going up against the Queen and trying to stop her. Uh, they use dinosaurs, help them to do it. Um, a fun, enjoyable book. It was a little sad when Flash dies, but it's still very enjoyable. The dino Thor I thought was kind of cool. The fact that 
they ask any relation to Stegron, Stegron and uh, Stegron just says not, none that I am aware of but Stegron approves uh, which was very appropriate uh, really enjoyed it and even the uh, the backup by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends I thought was very enjoyable uh, and kind of cool to see I like the costume that Ben Parker ends up wearing and at the very end it looks like um, Amity's back to her classic costume or at least something similar so thank goodness because uh, God knows I was not as huge a fan of her the Spider-Man costume I like her in this in her her regular Spider-Girl costume not the Spider-Man costume that she wore as Spider-Woman man I'm getting myself cross-eyed uh, but this was an enjoyable book very fun I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10 and last but definitely not least uh, oh I actually I missed something I was about to go to the last book well almost last we got Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars number 10. This was fantastic. Uh, an amazing read. Um, the artwork remains absolutely fantastic uh, by Stuart Eminem. Jason Aaron just, you know, killing it in terms of uh, the script. Uh, it really feels like you're watching a movie. Um, I'm really excited to kind of see what they do next. Uh, it's just a great book in any way, every way. I'm going to give this an 8.5 out of 10. And uh, that means that uh, last up, uh, a book I almost forgot to even talk about at all, uh, we have none other than um, Southern Bastards, uh, a book that I've relatively recently come into, but I'm really enjoying. It's uh, Southern Bastards number 11, um, and Jason Aaron is just doing a great job in this book. It's so enjoyable. It's, it's brutal. It's dark, but there's just something to it that I really dig. Uh, this issue in particular felt so different, but just really fantastic that the idea that there's there's one person who d- around who doesn't kind of buy into what's been going on in town. So we get to see this new character who's very country. Um, you know, he's a hunter, and uh, I don't even want to say much about it, but it's a really good character-centric issue. Excited to kind of see what happens next and and how this is going to lead to very bad consequences for Coach Boss. I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. It remains just an incredible read. Now, there was a ton of books I didn't have a chance to read this uh, past week. Some of the highlights, because there's tons, include Barbed Wire, number 4, Batman Beyond, number 5, Cyborg, number 3, a uh, new issue of Lobo, a uh, new issue of Omega Men, a uh, new issue of... Uh, there's Survivor's Club number one, Telos number one, uh, We Stand on Guard. I can't believe I somehow missed that. i got to read that because I love that book. Uh, Avengers Zero, which is kind of the smorgasbord of uh, looks at upcoming Avengers books. Um, Contest of Champions number one, uh, Groot number five, uh, Powers number five, Old Man Logan number five. There was Star Wars Lando number five, a lot of number fives. Uh, and two uh, What If Issues, What If Infinity in Humans and What If Infinity Thanos. Uh, when we look at stuff coming up next week, uh, or specifically uh, if we're looking up stuff that comes out tomorrow, uh, I'm recording this on the Tuesday after Thanksgiving Monday in Canada, uh, coming out on the 14th of October, uh, some of the highlights uh, will include uh, Abe Sapien number 27, um, Lone Wolf and Cub Omnibus Trade Paperback Volume 10, uh, seventh issue of Rebels. Uh, from DC, we've got Batman 45, as, new, as well as new issue of Batman and Robin Eternal. we got uh, Coffin Hill Trade Paperback Volume 3. Uh, Convergence Crisis Trade Paperback Book 1 and 2 uh, coming out on the same day. we got Graphic Inc., the DC Comics art of Darwin Cook. Uh, a Green Lantern, a celebration of 75 years hardcover. Um, what else we got? Red Hood and Arsenal. Uh, new issue of Starfire. we got the launch of Superman Lois and Clark Number 1. 
Uh, over at IDW, we got the first shape paperback of Gem and the Holograms, as well as the fifth issue of Mickey Mouse, and the seventh issue of Uncle Scrooge. Um, over at, uh, at Marvel, we've got, what do we got coming out? we got A-Force, number five, Captain America, Sam Wilson, number one, is part of the all-new, all-different Marvel Now. Uh, Captain America, White, number three, Chewbacca, number one. Uh, Civil War number five. I think it's the last issue of that Secret Wars tie-in. Got the Damage Control Complete Collection. That's exciting. A uh, new issue of well, the launch of Guardians of the Galaxy number one. Uh, the Infinity War Aftermath trade paperback is coming out, as well as Journey to Star Wars Force Awakens Shattered Empire number three. What a title! Uh, Magneto trade paperback volume four, Last Days. I uh, got the Man Thing by Steve Gerber Complete Collection volume one. Uh, Marvel Masterworks Defenders Volume Five hardcover. Uh, we got the uh, Miss Marvel Nineteen, the launch of New Avengers with issue number one, Spider Gwen number one, Spider Man Twenty Nine Nine number one, as well as Uncanny Avengers number one, as well as What If Infinity X Men number one. We also have X Men Age of Apocalypse trade paperback Volume Two Rain. Uh, Part of me really wants these new reissued trade paperbacks for Age of Apocalypse, even though I know I don't need them because I already have the original volumes. It's just I, I prefer these volumes more in terms of how they're put together. Or maybe not even how they're put together, but what content is in them. And there's not a, a number one volume that's kind of pointless. Um, anyways, that is everything coming out uh, on the 14th of October. Uh, as I speak... It's interesting. This this episode will be going out on the, I guess today, on the 13th. So uh, as a Toronto Blue Jays fan, I'm a huge, uh, hugely excited for tomorrow's game, which uh, will be the last issue. This last issue. I've been talking about comics too much. It'll be the last uh, game of the American League Divisional Series between the Jays and the Texas Rangers. Uh, we lost the two, first two. I was at the first two games um, in Toronto at Rogers Center. It was an insane atmosphere because Toronto has not been in the playoffs in baseball for 22 years. It was the longest active drought since the uh, the Royals made it to the World Series last year. So their drought was ended. Theirs was longer. They had been since uh, since 85. Coincidentally, they had beaten us in the uh, championship series in 85. So I got to see playoff baseball in Toronto in the first time in 22 years and I went to two games and both were losses I actually am not able to go to game five which is a little disappointing that I didn't have a, I'm not going to be able to go to the deciding game but on the plus side I don't get to be there when they lose again a third time and lose the series but on the downside I don't get to see them potentially clinch uh so that's what's new in Toronto uh so thank you very much for listening to this episode this has been episode I believe 313, it's our Comic Shenanigans episode. Uh, and by Comic Shenanigans episode, I mean our Comic Reviews episode for releases from Wednesday, uh, October the 7th. So thank you for joining us. You can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can also listen to us on Stitcher. Our next episode will be a conversation with Mike Perkins. That'll be episode 314. And next week, episode 316, we'll have a conversation with Devin Grayson. Uh, and it's a really fun conversation talking about her time working for DC Comics in the 90s and early 2000s, uh, writing Nightwing, Titans, Arsenal, and many other books. So thanks again for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.